السلام علیکم رحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ اعوذ باللہ من الشیطان الرجیم بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم وصلاۃ والسلام علی رسول الکریم ربش رحلی صدری ویسر علی عمری وحل العقدۃ من لسانی یفقه قولی اللہ مہدی قلبی وسدد لسانی وسل السخیم تقلبی امین رب العالمین کتاب الحج انشاءاللہ ول بیگن فرام باب نمبر 15 باب نمبر 15 باب خروج النبی صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم على طریق الشجرہ باب خروجی خروج مینز ٹو ایگزٹ سو دی ایگزٹنگ آف دا پروفٹ صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم على طریق الشجرہ آن دا وے آف شجرہ میننگ ون دا پروفٹ صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم لیفٹ مدینہ ان آرڈر ٹو گو فار حج ہی ون آؤٹ آن دس پرٹیکولر روڈ وچ واز بائی دا شجرہ شجرہ مینز ٹری حدثنا ابراہیم ابن المنذر حدثنا انس بن عياض عن عبيد الله عن نافع عن عبد الله بن عمر رضي الله عنهما ان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم كان يخرج من طريق الشجره عبد الله بن عمر رضي الله عنه reported that the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam would go out from the way of shajara ويدخل من طريق المعرس and he would enter Medina from the road of Mu'arras. وَأَنَّ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ And the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم كان إذا خرج إلى مكة when he would go out to Mecca meaning he would leave Medina to travel to Mecca يُصَلِّ فِي مَسْجِدِ الشَّجَرَةِ He would pray in the Masjid of Shajara وَإِذَا رَجَعَ And when he returned صَلَّى بِذِ الْحُلَيْفَةِ He would pray at ذُو الْحُلَيْفَةِ بِبَطْنِ الْوَادِ In the middle of the valley وَبَاتَ حَتَّى يُصْبِحَ And he would spend the night over there until he would enter the morning and then he would enter Medina meaning he would not enter the city in the middle of the night rather he would spend the night outside the city and then in the morning he would come in so over here we see two roads are mentioned the road of shajara and the road of muarras these are well known ways of course now the landscape has completely changed so basically two roads are mentioned which the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam would take to travel to makkah and then the other on entering medina And we see over here that he would take a different path to leave Medina and a different path to enter Medina. And this is something that the Prophet ﷺ also did at what other occasion? Eid, exactly. That he would take a different road to the place where Salatul Eid was prayed and he would take a different road back home. And also another thing we see over here about the way of the Prophet ﷺ is that he did not enter Medina in the night on his return. And this is something that he did not just at the occasion of Hajj, but as we can see in this hadith, that this was his way, right? This was his habit. And in other reports also we learn something similar, that he disliked to enter the city in the middle of the night. Why? Because at that time, of course, you could not tell people at home, okay, we'll be there in 20 minutes. And if you find that all of a sudden people are coming, and especially in, into the houses, it could frighten people, it could startle them. And so to make it easy for the people and for the families, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, you know, he would spend the night elsewhere and then he would enter the city in the morning. Another thing that should be uh, noticed over here is that these roads are mentioned. And in this is, and as we can see in the previous hadith also, that Ibn Umar radiallahu anhu would specifically go to those places where the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam went. He would stop at those places, he would pray at those places, he would even use the bathroom in the same place where the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used the bathroom. Why? Out of love for 
the Prophet ﷺ. And remember that this is not a religious obligation on us, that when we travel, we take the exact same route, we take the exact same road. This is not an obligation upon us. It's not It's not a ritual, all right? However, if someone wishes to do that, go to the same places where the Prophet ﷺ went, just because this is, you know, it, it increases you in your love for him, or it, it, you know, brings about a different feeling in your heart, then there is nothing wrong with that. Uh, because sometimes what happens is that we go into the extreme of, you know, the blessing is only in, you know, certain places and don't go to any other place. But, you know, if you go to these places because the Prophet ﷺ was there, or because, you know, he ate over there, he slept over there, he camped over there, then there's nothing wrong with visiting those places out of love for the Prophet ﷺ. Next, Bab Qawlin Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Al Arqiqu Wadim Mubarak. The words of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that Al Arqiq is a blessed valley. Haddathan al Humaydiyu, Haddathan al Walid, Wabishru ibn Bakrin al Tanisiyu, Kala, Haddathan al Awzariyu, Kala, Haddathan Yahya, Kala, Haddathan Yakrimatu, and Nahusami ibn Abbasin, Radiallahu Anhuma, Yakulu, Innahusami Umar Radiallahu Anhu, Yakulu Samiratu Nabiya Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. That Umar radiallahu anhu said that he heard that I heard the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in the valley of Arqiq. Yaqulu he was saying that atani laylata atim mir rabbi. That someone came to me in the night and the one who came came to me from who? From my Lord. Meaning an angel visited me in the night and of course that angel is who? Jibreel. Because Jibreel is the one who would bring revelation to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Fakala and he said, "Salli fi hadal wadil mubarak." Pray in this blessed valley. Which valley is this? The valley that he was in at the time. What is it called? Aqiq. Good. Waqul umratan fi hajjatin and say umra is in the Hajj. Now, what is this valley of Aqiq? Have you heard of this before? No. And it's amazing that the Prophet ﷺ is saying that this is a wadi that is mubarak. It's a blessed valley. And Jibreel told the Prophet ﷺ to pray in this blessed valley. When you go to Medina typically, you know, you're informed about certain trees and wells and areas and, you know, yes, it's good. Okay. But this valley specifically, unfortunately, many people are not familiar with it. So this aqiq is actually, you could say a gorge or a riverbed, okay? And it's to the west of Medina. Okay, it's to the west of Medina. And it is to the west of Medina. So basically it's when you go towards Baqir from the masjid, all right? So if you keep going that side, then you'll end up, it's about four miles away from the masjid, all right? And aqiq, the valley of Aqiq, we can see very clearly about the virtue of this valley. And the Prophet ﷺ rested over there. And this is the reason why Imam Bukhari is bringing this hadith over here. Because in this chapter, we don't only learn about the rulings of Hajj, we also learn about how the Prophet ﷺ did Hajj. Okay? How he went for Hajj. Where he stopped, where he camped, where he spent the night, where he prayed, so that those who want to follow him in that way can do so. And uh, the valley of Aqiq, the gorge, I mean, it's empty, but uh, when it gets flooded, it's it's like a river. 
so there are images of this where it was completely flooded. It looked like a river and the areas around it. I mean, when you see it, you're amazed that is this really in Medina? Could it actually be that green? So many trees, mashallah, and that area was so full of water and the water was, you know, constantly just flowing away. So this is a blessed valley and it is said about this area that earlier on, after the Prophet ﷺ, during the Abbasid time, there were many people who used to live by this gorge. In fact, there were many companions who actually had their, you know, who actually lived by this gorge because of this reason, that this is a blessed area, a mubarak place. And you can see the barakah, that when it is full, the entire landscape is changed. The second part of this hadith we see, وَقُلْ عُمْرَةً فِي حَجَّةٍ That umrah in hajj, and this shows that the Prophet ﷺ did umrah and hajj together, right? When he went for hajj. Some say that this proves that he did hajj qiran. Qiran as in one ihram and umrah and hajj together. حدثنا محمد بن أبي بكر حدثنا فضيل بن سليمان حدثنا موسى بن عقبة قال حدثني سالم بن عبد الله عن أبيه رضي الله عنه عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أنه رؤيا وهو في معرس بذ الحليفة ببطن الوادي that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم was shown meaning a vision a dream while he was in معرس at ذ الحليفة in the middle of this gorge it was said to him that that you are in a valley that is blessed. So basically when the Prophet ﷺ was camped over there, he had a dream and he was informed that this is a blessed valley. And Musa bin Uqba said that Salim made us halt our camels over there. Why? in order to stop at the same place where the Prophet ﷺ stopped and in order to stop at a place that is blessed. And he wanted to stop at the same place where Abdullah ibn Umar anhu used to halt his camels. Seeking the place where the Prophet ﷺ stopped. So basically the location of that exact spot is being described over here. So we see that because this is a blessed valley, the Prophet ﷺ spent the night over there. And remember that Zul Hulayfa is right by this gorge. Okay? Zul Hulayfa is right by this gorge. Okay. You have a question? Bid'ah is to invent something. Do something that he وسلم, did not do, did not teach. All right? You see, there are some actions which he did. These actions, you could say they're fitri, they're natural. Like for example, as a human being, he was supposed to sleep. So when you sleep, you don't say that, oh, I'm sleeping because the Prophet ﷺ used to sleep. I mean, he slept because he was human and you sleep because you're human. Likewise, he wore certain clothes, he wore certain sandals, he wore, you know, his hair in a certain way because, you know, that's just the way he used to dress up and that's just the way he would make his hair. That doesn't mean that you are required to do the same thing. However, there are certain actions for which, you know, you could say they're adab, they're etiquette, like for example, the etiquette of eating. He taught us a certain way that eat with the right hand, like for example, the child who was, you know, 
passing his hand around the dish, the Prophet ﷺ told him to eat from what was in front of him and say Bismillah and eat with the right hand. So their adab or etiquette that he taught, which of course when we follow, is going to be sunnah. Likewise, their actions that he did as worship, which of course we must follow him in. So the fitri actions of the Prophet ﷺ, remember we're not obligated to follow him in that. But Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu anhu was very eager to follow him. In fact, he was asked about this. Someone asked him that, you know, you always wear these type of sandals and why is the case? And he said that because the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam used to wear them. So this is out of love for the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and, uh, but there is no obligation to follow him in, in that respect. And here also we see that he would stop at the same place in the valley. Okay. The next bab is about ihram. And this is where now the topics become much more relevant to us. When it comes to ihram, we'll learn several details about it over here. But just a few things. Remember that ihram is the state of, you see it's from the word ihram. What does it remind you of? Haram. So basically it's the state in which certain actions which are generally permissible are unlawful. Certain actions which are generally permissible are unlawful. Why? Because a person is performing Umrah or Hajj. And this state, you have to come in into Ihram at the place of, which place? Miqat. And we discussed the Mawaqeet earlier. Now remember that in general, I'm just going to tell you a few things over here. Exceptions will come later and they'll get clarified. Okay? So, Several things are forbidden in ihram. First of all, cutting the hair or the nails. Secondly, perfume, which inshallah we'll talk about. That's one of the first things that, that is discussed over here. Thirdly, hunting. Then, for men, wearing clothing that is tailored to fit the body. Did you notice something? I didn't say stitched. Because we think that, that men are just not allowed to wear stitched clothing. Well, what if a, a man wears a sweater that is woven without a single stitch? That's possible, right? So is that allowed? No, it's not allowed. Okay, because the Prophet ﷺ clearly forbade shirts for men to wear in ihram. So men are not allowed to wear clothing that is tailored to fit the body, such as shirts or trousers. You know, for example, an izar, like the bottom shawl, may have a sewn patch. Okay, and that is permissible. So it's not about being unstitched. And for women, no niqab. And inshallah we'll discuss the details later. One more thing of course, la rafath, there's no intimacy between husband and wife either. Okay, so the first issue regarding perfume. Bab ghasli al-khaluqi thalatha marratin min al-thiyab. Ghasli, ghasl is to wash. Al-khaluq. Khaluq is a certain perfume. So washing it off, how many times? Thalatha marratin, three times, min thiyabi from clothing. Remember that khaluq is a perfume which is basically a blend of many fragrances. So if you have multiple fragrances blended together, what kind of perfume do you expect? Something that is very strong, Right? And something that will probably leave a stain also, right? Because the more dense it is, the more rich it is, you know, it, it will also have color. So when this is on clothes, 
not only will the clothes have a very strong perfume, uh, fragrance, but there will also be a stain. Especially because khaluq also has zafran in it. What is zafran? Saffron, which also has a very strong color. So remember that men are not allowed to use this, use zafran. Because the women at that time would almost use zafran as makeup. Because it leaves a color also. So they would use it for that reason. In a hadith which is in Abu Dawood, uh, we learn that the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam forbade naha Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam anit tazafuri lirijal that he forbade tazafur. Tazafur is to put on zafran. Okay, so he forbade this for men. So here we learn that if there is khaluq on the clothing of a man, and let's say he wants to wear that for ihram. What is he supposed to do then? He's supposed to wash it off. Okay? And he's supposed to wash it off how many times? Three times. Let's look at the hadith. قال أبو عاصم أخبرنا ابن جريج أخبرني عطاء أن صفوان بن يعلى أخبره أن يعلى قال لعمر رضي الله عنه That يعلى said to Umar رضي الله عنه that أرني النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم Show me the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم at the time when revelation is being inspired to him. Because the Sahaba were very eager to see that what happens to him when Jibreel comes to him, when the wahi is given to him, you know, we want to see him. You can imagine this is a very natural curiosity. So Ya'la said to Umar radiallahu anhu that, show me, I want to see him at that time. قَالَ فَبَيْنَمَا النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ بِالْجِعْرَانَ so he said, while the Prophet ﷺ was at Jirana, وَمَعَهُ نَفَرٌ مِّنْ أَصْحَابِهِ And with him were some of his companions. جَاءَهُ رَجُلٌ A man came to him, فَقَالَ يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ And he said, O Messenger of Allah, كَيْفَ تَرَى فِي رَجُلٍ أَحْرَمَ بِعُمْرَةٍ How do you, or what do you say about a man who puts on ihram for umrah, وَهُوَ مُتَضَمِّخٌ بِطِيبٍ While he is متضمخ with fragrance. Mutadamikh meaning his clothes are covered with scent. فَسَكَتَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَمُ So basically the question is that is it okay for a man to keep those clothes on during ihram? Clothes that are covered with fragrance. فَسَكَتَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَمَ سَاعَةً So the Prophet ﷺ was silent for a moment, for some time. فَجَاءَهُ الْوَحْيُ And then revelation came to him. فَأَشَارَ عُمَرُ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ إِلَى يَعْلَى So Umar رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ pointed to, to Ya'la, meaning he called him. فَجَاءَ يَعْلَى So Ya'la came. Why did he call him? To show him that, okay, now he's receiving revelation, you can see him. وَعَلَى رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ الثَّوْبٌ And on the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم at the time, meaning on his head was a cloth, قَدْ أُضِلَّ بِهِ with which he had covered himself. فَأَدْخَلَ رَأْسَهُ And he entered his head. فَإِذَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ مُحْمَرُ الْوَجْهِ And the face of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم was red at the time. وَهُوَ يَغِطُّ And it was covered ثُمَّ سُرِّيَ عَنْهُ And then that state was lifted from him. فَقَالَ So he said, أَيْنَ الَّذِي سَأَلَ عَنِ الْعُمْرَةِ Where is the man who asked about the Umrah? فَأُتِيَ بِرَجُلٍ فَقَالَ So a man was brought and he said, meaning the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم told him, اغسل الطيب الذي بك ثلاث مرات 
wash the fragrance that is on you, meaning on your clothing, how many times? Three times. Wanzi'ankal jubbata and remove your cloak. Wasnafi umratik and do in your umrah kama tasnafi hajjatik as you do in your hajj. Qultu li'ata'in arada al-inqa'a hina amarahu an yaghsila thalatha marratin. So the narrator asked Ata' that did the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam mean inqa' meaning complete purification when he commanded him to wash it three times? Qala na'am. He said yes. So a number of things we learn over here. First of all, the reason why Imam Bukhari is bringing this hadith is to show that the clothing of the muhrim, the person in ihram, cannot have perfume on them. Okay, so there should be no fragrance, no scent on what? On the clothing of the muhrim. Okay, when it comes to the body, that's a different matter. And inshallah, we'll discuss that in the next bab. But here we see that the clothing should not have any fragrance. And if there is, it should be washed. But when it comes to clothing, remember, the ihram sheets cannot have perfume on them. You see what it says here? That اغسل الطيب الذي بك Bika meaning which is on you, okay, with you. Because of course if it's on your clothes, it can also be on your body. So if it comes onto your body from your clothes, then you have to remove that also. So basically, once you are in a state of ihram, okay, and then some perfume, let's say, comes on your skin, then you should remove that. Okay, like for example, you just did your tawaf and now you're going and somebody's selling itur and you know, you're like, okay, let me try some and you just apply it on your hand and you realize that, oh, I'm in ihram. So what should you do? Wash it off. Okay. All right. So this is the first thing and this is the reason why the hadith is brought. Secondly, we see over here that the intensity of wahi on the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, that his face was red, he had covered himself with a cloth and this is something that's mentioned in several ahadiths about the intensity of the wahi. That how it was heavy on the Prophet ﷺ. You all may be familiar about how, you know, he would break into a sweat on a very cold night also. And once the Prophet ﷺ's knee was on the thigh of Zayd radiallahu anhu who was sitting right by him, and Zayd radiallahu anhu said that I felt like my leg would break. Meaning the pressure was so much. And this shows us that Quran is قَوْلًا ثَقِيلًا As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, that we're going to give you a heavy statement. And this is why the Prophet ﷺ was told that, إِنَّا نَحْنُ نَزَّلْنَا عَلَيْكَ الْقُرْآنَ تَنْزِيلًا فَاصْبِرْ لِحُكْمِ رَبِّكَ That we are going to reveal upon you a Qur'an and you have to be patient for the command of your Lord. And part of this patience is to also bear this hardship of receiving the Qur'an, of learning the Qur'an. Then we see over here that when the Prophet ﷺ was asked a question, he did not answer it by himself. He waited for the wahi. So any ruling, any command that comes from the Prophet ﷺ is what? Based on his own whims and desires? Not at all. It was based on revelation. Alright? And then we see over here that, you know, the answer that he gave is not a part of the Quran. You don't find that in the Quran. Right? But the Prophet ﷺ received this answer from what? From wahi. So this shows that all of the revelation is not in the Qur'an. You know, the Qur'an of course was given to the Prophet ﷺ, but along with the Qur'an, he was given something else. 
other teachings also, which we can only learn through hadith. Now, remember that when it comes to putting perfume on ihram garments, that is not permissible, whether it is done before entering ihram or afterwards. Okay, because the Prophet ﷺ forbade that over here. And if there is perfume on the clothing, then it should be removed.